a little bit further beyond our own bodies, Allah has given us some level of authority or influence or control uh, in our lives. You've got some level of authority over the things that you own. The fact that you turn your steering wheel right and the car turns right is a qudra in a, in a mulk that Allah gave you over your car. You know, because if Allah wants, the steering fluid can go and the car is going straight no matter how much you turn. Like it used to happen when I lived in New York and it was snowy days. You could turn all you want. It's still going straight, you know. So that's something that Allah grants. It's not something that we own or possess. And beyond that is, of course, control and authority that we exert over people. As a parent, I have some degree of control over my children. I like to think I have a lot more control, but I really don't. It's a degree of control that I have exercise over my children. A spouse can exert influence or control over another spouse. Uh, you know, teachers can exert control over or influence over students. So in our personal lives, in society, whether it's in our family or at work, maybe you're the manager, you have some control over the, the, your team, the people that are working under your team. Maybe you're the employer, you're the owner of the business, you have control over your employees. So Allah has given us different degrees of mulk, different degrees of control and authority and power in our life. So when we hear these ayat that I'm going to share with you, I don't just want you to think about somebody who became president and now they have power and now we're thinking about their power and this, this, this has to be a khutbah they better hear. But actually this is something that you and I need to hear because every one of us in fact has been endowed with, has been given some degree of power and influence. If not at least, the very least on our own selves but beyond ourselves also. Allah told us, commanded us to declare this. He said, قُلِ اللَّهُمَّ مَالِكَ الْمُلْكِ تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِنْ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِيَدِكَ الْخَيْرِ إِنَّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ It's a very famous ayah of Surah Al-Imran. And it begins with Allah commanding us to declare this. قُلْ اللَّهُمَّ Say, O oh Allah, say this to Allah. In other words, this is something that needs to be rehearsed. It's something that's, and it, by the way, this is not just a dua. In a dua, there's a talab, there's some kind of a request. Usually when you find a dua in the Qur'an, you find Rabbana. Rabbana atina fid dunya. You know, you know Rabbana la tuzik qulubana ba'da idh hadaytana. In the same surah. But here, we find something else. You find you and me telling something to Allah, declaring something to Allah. As if we are testifying to Allah that the fact that we believe in Him leads us to this additional testimony. It's actually an extension in a sense of our understanding of the shahada of La ilaha illallah. What does that mean for us practically? So we say, Oh Allah, Malik al-Mulk, the owner of all kingdom, the owner of all dominion of sovereignty of power. And here this phrase, even though this entire khutbah could be about that phrase, I want to just make you think about one piece of this remarkable phrase, Malik al-Mulk. Malik is someone who owns something. So I can be Malik of a, of a pen. I could be Malik of this TV over here. I could be Malik of objects. I own things. Back in the day, people used to own a sheep or a cow. They were Malik of it. You understand? But you're not Malik over... And, and the things that you're Malik over, that you own, you have complete right to do whatever you want. If I want to break my pen, it's my right. If I want to throw it in the trash, it's my right. If I want to write with it, it's my right. I have absolute authority to do what I want and no one can question me why I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing because it is entirely mine. If you own a car and you decide that you want to change its tires, or you decide that you want to slash its tires, that's your problem. Nobody can question you, because it's yours. Back in the day, somebody owned a goat, they want to slaughter the goat or milk the goat, it's up to them. You understand? So when Allah describes Himself as Malik, before He mentions Mulk, Malik al-Mulk, communi we're communicating something to Allah that we understand about Him. 
He absolutely owns all power. The power that I possess is His ownership. The power that He gives me or He takes away from me is His ownership. In other words, why did He give this one authority? Why did He take authority from this one away? Is not ever something I can question. That decision of His is His. That belongs to Him. And it's not something I will ever be in a position to question because power itself is something Allah owns, has full rights over, to use and distribute as He sees fit. Allahumma malik al-mulk. And by extension of that phrase, we then say, تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ You grant dominion, you grant power, you grant authority, you grant sovereignty to whoever you want. And you pull it away from whoever you want. This is a fact. Allah is, we're declaring to Allah, you do this at your discretion. Whoever you decide gets power. Whoever you decide, you start pulling power away from them. The interesting thing about the Arabic of this part of the ayah is the word mulk is used twice. mulka man wa mulka min Even though you can use a dhamir, you could say mulka man wa min You could just replace it with a pronoun. In other words, in English you could say, you give power to whoever you want and you pull it away from whoever you want. You could say the word it the second time. But he uses the word power or dominion or kingdom again the second time. And when you do that in the ancient Arabic, the purpose of that is to maybe not even refer to two different kinds of power or two different sets of power, but the same power. Now what does that mean in simple English? It means, you know, when you, when you first hear, you give power to whoever, you take it away from whoever. You give kingdom to whoever, you take it away from whoever. You think he gave it to one person and you, you took it away from another person, right? That's what comes in our mind. But the use of mulk twice like that teaches us something more. It teaches us that he can give it to someone and then take it away from the same one. The one he gave it to is the one he can take it away from. That's up to him. He decides. It's not even he gave to one and took something else from another. <laughs> Subhanallah. That Allah did not ever hand someone a blanket endorsement. Here, you have power, you get to keep it forever. Nope. I'll decide, Allah will decide rather, when you get it, when you have it, and he will decide when it's taken away from you. He'll decide that too. The terms of that power don't come from an election term, they don't come from a duration of a presidency, they don't come from the health of a ruler, that comes from Allah. When will they have it? When will it be taken away? That's the first lesson here. The second lesson is Allah separated this from izzah. تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ he says he gives power, he gives dominion to whoever he wants. Or you, you, whoever you want, you, you give power. You pull it away, and I'll talk about pulling away later on in the khutbah, from whoever you want. Then he says you give izzah. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ What in the world is izzah? Izzah basically is two things. Izzah is authority. One meaning of izzah is authority. So anybody who has authority over us has a kind of izzah, but it's not only authority. Izzah also means respect, dignity, karam. So, you know, there are people sometimes they have authority but they don't have respect. That happens. Maybe there are police officers that have authority but because they've been abusive in their neighborhood, the community doesn't respect them. That happens. It could be some government has authority but they're not respected. That's possible. It's also the opposite is also possible. Sometimes people are respected but they have no authority. It could be a teacher or an intellectual or a a writer that is respected for their ideas, but they have no authority to implement their ideas. Nobody actually takes their ideas and does something with them. So they have respect, but they don't have 
authority, that can happen. But when someone has izzah, they actually have both. They command respect and they command authority. Now Allah is taking it a step further. He's separating mulk from izzah. Those are two separate things. Just because you have power, doesn't mean you have respect. Doesn't actually mean you have authority in the hearts of people. You may have authority on paper. You're the king. You're the ruler. But that doesn't mean people have accepted your authority or they respect your authority. That can happen. So Allah says He can give kingdom, He can give dominion and take dominion away. But that kingdom and that dominion does not necessarily mean that someone else, someone has izzah too. He separated those two concepts from each other. It's a remarkable thing that Allah did. Because in the world's eyes sometimes, whoever has power must also have respect. And you know, they, they come up with fake forms of respect because they won a certain position, then they have to have an inauguration to honor them. They have to have ceremonies to celebrate and, and respect them. Or when you go meet them, you have to have a certain kind of decorum. All of these formalities to show that this person has respect. But Allah is teaching us that actually true respect and true authority and true honor is not something you can get from a ceremony. You can't get it on a piece of paper. You can't get it because you're sitting at a certain podium or living in a certain palace. It doesn't come from that. It's, it, Allah gives that in the hearts of people. Allah puts that in the hearts of people. So somebody could be living in the highest palaces, but not command any respect. Not have any, no izzah whatsoever, even though they think they have mulk. So he says, تُؤْتِي الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ I hope you guys enjoyed that video clip. My team and I have been working tirelessly to try to create as many resources for Muslims to give them first steps in understanding the Qur'an all the way to the point where they can have a deep, profound understanding of the Qur'an. We are students of the Qur'an ourselves and we want you to be students of the Qur'an alongside us. Join us for this journey on BayinaTV.com where thousands of hours of work have already been put in and don't be intimidated, it's step by step by step so you can make learning the Qur'an a part of your lifestyle. There's lots of stuff available on YouTube but it's all over the place. If you want an organized approach to studying the Qur'an beginning to end for yourself, your kids, your family and even among peers, that would be the way to go. Sign up for BayinaTV.com.